listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. We're going to be talking today about five simple ways to protect your precious time. As you know, this week, we've been dealing with the importance of time management. Why have we been doing that? Because it is the most important resource that you have. It is the currency of the kingdom. Hey, Brother Ted, let me, let me say this again. Time is the currency of the kingdom. Even the seeds you sow in the offering, that's just something that has come from your time. Anything that you give to God comes from the resource of time. If you won't give him the time to read your word, then you won't read the word. If you don't give him the time to pray, then you won't pray. If you don't give him the time to leave your schedule behind and attend church faithfully, you'll never be in the house of God. So everything we do stems from that pool of time we've been given. It's the most important resource that we have. So I want you to start out again today by writing it in the comments section. Time is the currency of the kingdom. Time is the currency of the kingdom. Once you understand that, you'll begin to understand that, man, I've got to steward my time like ferociously. Because what one thing we've been uh, talking about, hey, Brother Darrell, love you. Um, one thing we've been discussing is if you don't protect your time, or if you don't guard your time, then it will be stolen from you. No question. If you don't protect your time, if you don't guard your time, it will be stolen from you. And we said it in this way. If you don't write your own uh, itinerary, one will be handed to you. And that's absolutely true. If you don't write your own itinerary, one will be given to you. Your flesh will give you one. Life will give you one. And so what will happen is by default, you won't please the Lord with your life. Because in order to please the Lord with your life, your spirit man has to be in control and has to make the choices that will please the Lord. And actually, Paul the Apostle made this distinction in Galatians chapter 5. He said that if you'll walk by the Spirit, you'll not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. But the way that Paul presents it to the Galatian church is this. You're not going to be forced by the Holy Ghost to take spirit-led actions. You have to choose and by self-control take spirit-led actions. You have to choose to walk by the Spirit. And so if we don't make that choice and then by our spiritual identity control our schedule, control our time, then our, with, by default, catch this, by default, our lives will be displeasing to the Lord. That's a dangerous place to be. I don't want to displease the Lord with my life. And that's what, exactly what will happen. Because by default, without any, okay, let me, let me give it to you this way because it becomes easier to understand. It's actually a law of nature. Okay? I dealt with this in, um, in the book I just released, uh, A Complete Guide to Biblical Fasting. Um, one of the laws of thermodynamics, it's the second law. It's the law of entropy. And in physics, you start to understand what this means. And I'll break it down very simply. Uh, I've done it on the broadcast before, but it's important here. The law of entropy. It means that in any given system, that without outside control, or in our case, stewardship, that things will automatically trend towards chaos, not order. Let me say that again. In any given system, and it doesn't matter what the system is, any environment, any system, without outside influence, or what we're calling stewardship, the whole system will trend towards chaos and not towards order. A practical application of that that I've given you before is, if you were to go to the beach and build a sandcastle. If you came back the next day, your sandcastle would not have gotten more structured and more ordered 
it would actually start to diminish. It would be uh, less and less definitive, if you will. The wind would blow it around, the waves, the tide would destroy it. And so what, what uh, buddy is looking deep into that meaning, does that mean evolution's not real? Yes, that would disprove evolution. The second law of thermodynamics absolutely does because our world would not trend towards more order and more uh, detail. It would go the other direction towards more chaos. And you know that very well. The sandcastle is not going to look nicer the day you come back to the beach. It's going to be broken down. You'd have to rebuild it. Uh, let your, you know, you ever seen an abandoned house? What an abandoned house looks like? You know, the, uh, the grass is all overgrown. Vines start growing up the house. There's weeds in the, in the flower bed. Uh, all, the kinds, all that stuff starts get, look, getting destroyed. Um, it's not getting nicer and nicer. You know, if you have an abandoned house, it's not going to be like, man, you know, the yard really started looking better when those people moved out and no one took care of it. You know, it doesn't work that way. Everything trends towards chaos and not towards order unless there's an outside force governing order and bringing stewardship to that system. Your life is exactly the same. And that's the, po the point that Paul was making in Galatians chapter 5. And uh, he said, if you'll walk in the Spirit, so there's the choice, right? There is the stewardship. There's the outside force and control. If you'll walk by the spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And so that's the point we're making today. If we want to have our time uh, used in the most productive way, then we've got to be people of order, not people of chaos. We have to be people who take control and steward our kingdom currency, which is time. And today I'm going to give you five simple ways to protect your precious time. And that's the title you saw. Five simple ways to protect your precious time. And I'm telling you, it is precious. Let me tell you, if you don't think your time's precious, hey, throw your hand up in the comments if you're a parent or a grandparent. Throw your hands up in the comments if you're a parent or a grandparent. Uh, because one of the things that just continually reminds me that time is precious is when I look at my uh, social media and memories pop up. You ever had memories pop up? We say, here's your post from five years ago today. Two happened to me yesterday. Two of them. Look at all those hands. Two of those memories happened to me yesterday. One of my daughter, Brooklyn, and one of my son, Teddy. And one was five years ago today. So Brooklyn would have been two years old, two. And she popped up in my uh, social media and it said, here's what you posted. And it was her sweet little face at two years old. Well, she's seven now. She's seven. Uh, another one popped up from five years ago that was Teddy. One was on Instagram, one was on Facebook. And Teddy popped up. And he, five years ago, or his was four years ago, he was just a baby. He's laying there. And uh, it was mom, Carolyn, she had posted it and said, stop getting so big. And he was just a little baby, but he was getting big. Now he's, you know, running around. He's going to be five years old soon. And uh, it's mind blowing. And if that doesn't remind you that, you know, time flies, that the currency of life goes by too fast and time is precious. I don't know what else would remind you how precious time is. It, it, and, you know, it, it flies. So we can't be flippant with our time. We've got to be ordered and diligent with our time. We've got to steward it because we can't get it back. We can't get it back. And so it's the most important resource that there is in the kingdom of God. Nothing is more important than your time. Nothing. Nothing. Because as I explained yesterday using my cell phone, if, if this is your life and, and this quadrant represents all of your time. Anything you give to God is within this quadrant, your prayer, your study, your attending of church, your witnessing, winning of souls, anything it's in here. And if time's not given to it, then literally there's nothing that's going to take place. So the point I'm making today is we have to make a choice to govern and protect, protect your time. So 
That's why I said to protect your precious time because all of your time is precious and needs to be protected. And so let me give you five of those practical. Oh, Oscar, I know. Or yeah, we love you guys. I've been praying for you, Oscar. I love your family. Um, time goes by too quickly. 18 years wasn't enough. Wasn't enough. But you'll see her again uh, very soon, Oscar. Very soon. Time's precious. Time is precious. I want to give you these five things because it'll help you. It'll help you immensely. And if you'll just do five simple things, it will literally cause you to not just have your time guarded, it'll cause you to increase rapidly. And literally the fifth one I'm going to give you today, you're going to want to stick around for it because the fifth one in particular is going to cause you to rapidly increase in your purpose, in your life, whatever you've set your heart to do. Number five today will cause you to rapidly increase. And so I want, to, I want you to see this with me. Now, the first one, and I want you to put these in the comments as we're going through them. Um, the first simple way to uh, protect your precious time, number one, is to silence the mob. Silence the mob. Put that in. To silence the mob. Um, what do I mean by that? Um, there are so many things pulling for your time. So many, so many things pulling for your time. Um, I've been reading, I've read some over the last, you know, 10 years. I've read so many um, of these books that'll help you to become better at what, what you're supposed to be doing in life. One of the things they all agree on is that um, it's interesting how little interruptions can have such a massive effect on your life. It doesn't seem like a long interruption. It could be a short, small one. But productivity experts have found that if you're in the midst of doing something important and even somebody stops by your desk or whatever to talk to you and to, and to break, break, your, break your concentration, break your focus, even for a quick minute and a half little interruption, productivity experts are finding it can take you anywhere from 30 to 45 minutes to get back to the place of productivity where you were before they came and interrupted your train of thought. Guard your train of thought, guard your focus, guard your time. And one of the ways to do that is to silence the mob. Now, the worst part about it is when it's an, in, you know, it's an inanimate object that breaks your focus, not a person. When it's actually a cell phone, when it's, you know, a call that comes through when there shouldn't be calls coming through, when it's social media uh, um, notifications that shouldn't be coming through when you're in these moments of productivity, when it's uh, emails dinging on your computer or you see the things slide in, a new email from so-and-so and it slides out. And literally, as I said a, a couple days ago, uh, people so understand this now that they've had to create mobile apps to lock us out of our social media networks and out of our email, to lock us out of games on the phone so that we can focus. I mean, that's how low most people's self-control is, that they can't discipline themselves to not do those things. Well, we know why that is, and they've proven, uh, and I wrote about this a little bit too in, in, um, in some of the articles I've released, but uh, they've proven now that social media was designed to be addictive. It's designed to be addictive. They literally have found through, through multiple studies that when your brain uh, sees notifications that are in your social media, uh, whether it be Facebook, Instagram, whatever, Snapchat, doesn't matter, TikTok, when, when, when your brain sees those that you have responses, likes, shares, retweets, hearts, whatever it might be, that it actually triggers the pleasure centers of your brain 
the same uh, centers that are affected by drugs for a dopamine release into your body, that social media will trigger that same pleasure center and send dopamine. So they've actually uh, scheduled your chemical releases through continually showing you all of these notifications. And what happens is people like that feeling. They like that feeling. Why do you think people keep going back to social media? Why do you think people keep feeding the machine? I got to give it more selfies. I got to give it more pictures. I got to give it more articles. I got The reason is because when people respond to it and when people start liking it, sharing it, whatever, it triggers a pleasure center of your brain and releases dopamine. And literally they're created to be addictive. That's why people can't keep going, can't stop going back. They should be working, but they're scrolling Instagram. They should be working, but they're back on, you know, Snapchat. They're back on TikTok. They're back in Facebook Watch. They're in their YouTube recommended for you section. They understand that, and that's why it's designed that way. But you have to silence the mob. You got to silence the mob. And I agree. Elizabeth said, that's why I shut notifications off unless it's these services or these these sessions on Facebook and YouTube. I agree with you because it can run your day. If you let it, it'll run your day. It'll run your whole day before you know it. You know, I made a mistake one time. I was like, you know, just got back from, uh, I think I just got back from a service and I, I was getting ready to get ready for bed. I still had my suit on, laid down on the bed in the hotel. And I was like, I'm just going to kind of browse social media for a second. I think I was, I think I hit the bed at like, you know, 1145 or something like that PM. And I just got back from church and I'm, I said, I'm just going to open up social media real quick. See whatever. I got sucked into Facebook watch. We're like one of videos done playing. It just scrolls to the next one and plays the next one. I, I was like, watching. I'm laughing just, you know, whatever sitting there. I looked down at my phone. It's like 1:45 in the morning. I was like, no, nah, I've been laying here in my suit for two hours, you know, tired, but got sucked into Facebook watch. What in the world? It's designed to be addictive and you don't even know times going by flying by you. And so one of the things that we have to be very careful of, as especially as stewards in the kingdom of God, of the most valuable resource God's given us, time, is to silence the mob. Silence the mob. You've got to turn those things off. And especially if you're looking to produce and to create for the kingdom and to be productive at your job or, you know, in your ministry, whatever, with your family, you've got to learn at some point. You know, and it's lessons that we all have to learn that we have to learn how to silence the mob to be productive at all. You know, I was, I was telling you about when I was really kind of behind the eight ball, getting this, um, getting this book on fasting out the door, and I knew I had to hustle to get it out before the new year. And so I was writing, and I was really to the place where I was like, I gotta, I gotta do this. When I would lock myself away to write, I would do every possible thing that, that I could to make sure all of my focus would only be on writing that book and getting it out the door. So that means delegating every other task that I had. I mean, I, I was on a time sensitive thing. I mean, it, it had to be out by before the new year and I just made it. Thank God. And, and literally Todd Bailey said, I agree. Look at the bright side. You were the best dressed person watching Facebook watch. That's true. <laughs> it's absolutely true. And so um, I'm sitting there and I'm realizing if I'm going to get this book out the door, if I'm going to be productive for the kingdom, I literally have to silence the mob. I got to get everything out of my way. I mean, I made sure there's nothing going to go off. Everything I own is on do not disturb. I mean, my laptop is, my tablet is, my phone is, everything is on do not disturb. I don't, my wife knows when I get in those moments not to uh, let anybody come see me or not, uh, give me messages from anybody or anything like that. It's like, now of course my kids can come in and see me and kiss me, whatever, my wife, but I don't, outside stimuli, I'm not, I'm not going to participate because I've got something to get out and it takes productivity. It's going to take focus and I've got to do it. You've got to silence the mob for that to happen. I used this passage the other day, Genesis 32 and starting in verse 22, uh, Jacob allowing himself to then not just go down to the river, 
but to remove all of his family, his servants, his livestock and possessions to the other side of the Jabbok River. And God did not meet with him until he was alone. God doesn't want to be uh, just one of the things that your focus is on when he meets with you. Notice what he said to Jeremiah. When you search after me with your whole heart, you will find me. Notice that. God doesn't want to be a part-time hobby in your life. When you search after me with your whole heart, you will find me. It's a whole heart seeking that brings discovery. Put it in the comments. It's whole heart seeking that brings discovery. It's whole heart seeking that brings discovery. That's why you should say say that, you know, uh, never expect, don't get discouraged because you can't do in your life as a part-time hobby what someone can do that does it for their profession or for their living. You know, you should never be discouraged that, you know, if you like to play basketball on the weekends, that you can't be LeBron James who has made it his entire life. It's what he's paid to do. It's what he's done since he was young and now he's a professional. You can't get all discouraged and downing yourself because you went to the YMCA, you know, uh, one Saturday out of four every month and you play a pickup game and you get all ticked off. You're like, how come I'm not at the LeBron James level? Well, you can't be upset about that. And it's a part-time hobby. You've got something that you're just doing, you know, every once in a while. Amen. So don't, don't, that, that's why you say, you know, people look at others and say like, oh, I can't, I don't know why I can't do it like him. Well, look how long, there is no such thing as an overnight success. People have been doing it and doing it and doing it. And even when you didn't see that they were doing it, they were doing it. Even when nobody was giving them recognition for their dedication, they were still dedicated. They were still doing it. And now you see it. But you only ever see the tip of the iceberg of people's success. Most of what you don't see is under the water, just like an iceberg. What percentage of the iceberg do they say is usually under the water? 70 to 80% is under the ocean. And even the big pieces of ice you see sticking up are just the tip. 10%, 20% of that massive iceberg. Well, that's the same with success. You don't see people... Everything, their dedication, their consecration, all the work they've done, the late hours they put in, burning the midnight oil, it's all under the water. And the success, she's, oh, he's an overnight success. There's no such thing as an overnight success. Even these people, you know, you look at these guys that pop up that nobody knew who they were. These these hip-hop artists, these rappers that come on the scene like, oh, he's an overnight success. But, you know, these guys have been making mixtapes for 20 years. They've been rapping for, they've been like on the streets handing out their CD for 20 years, doing small little rooms, doing birthday parties, doing, you know, whatever. And like, you don't see all the, it's like these comics, these stand-up comics. You're like, man, this guy got a Netflix special. He's an overnight success. He's been pounding the pavement for 20 years, traveling to little clubs that hold 20 people. You know, getting yelled at, getting having beers thrown at him. And it's like people are oh, he's an overnight success because he got a Netflix special. No, he's not. He's been pounding the pavement for 20 years. And you don't even know it because it's under the ocean. And didn't quit. Didn't quit. Didn't quit. Didn't quit. And that's the point I'm making. But in order to be that way, you have to remove the distractions that would keep you from doing that. And go after it with all your heart. All of your heart. And that's number one. Number two, the second, it's the second simple way to protect your precious time, create a cavern. Create a cavern. What do I mean by that? Develop a personalized space where you can work efficiently. Make it known that that space is sacred, literally. And that's what I was saying before, so that when you go when you go into it, you're not to be necessarily interrupted. And that may that may mean you have to go away from where the you might have to go away from where all the hustle and bustle actually is. Look at Jesus. I'm gonna give you the the uh, I'm gonna give you the example of Jesus in Mark 1:35. Listen to this. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark. Jesus departed 
and went out into a desolate place, and there he prayed. You see that? I'm going to read that one more time for those of you that are typing number two in the comments. Create a cavern. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark. Now, I'm going to break this verse down for those listening, whether you're on the podcast or watching live on the broadcast. For two things here. Rising very early in the morning, number two, while it was still dark. What was he ensuring by doing that? Most people aren't going to be awake. He's going to be alone. That's what Jesus was ensuring. I'm getting up before the dawn, early in the morning. Why did he do that? Because he knew that as soon as he woke up and everybody else started waking up, what do we have a pattern of in the Bible? People would come and find him and throng him. Isn't that right? We have record of it throughout the whole, uh, all of the four gospels. As soon as people would get up, as soon as the town started bustling, people would say, we're Jesus today. They'd come out, even out into the wilderness, they'd follow him. They'd follow him and throng him all day long. So what did Jesus say? If I'm going to be an effective minister of my heavenly father, if I'm going to heal the sick, cast out devils, if I'm going to raise the dead, if I'm going to have a word to preach, then I better get a download from my heavenly father. I better hear what the father is saying, see what the father is doing with no distraction so that by the time I begin ministering today, I have something to give the people. That's why he did it. Because he said, I can say nothing unless I hear the father say it. I can do nothing unless I see the father do it. Jesus didn't act on his own authority. He did what the father said. But in order to do that, you got to hear what the father says. But you can't be distracted in that time. So what would he do? He would get up early before the dawn and he would, but while it was still dark and go out into a desolate place. Let me break that down. He would go out into a desolate place. What does that mean? A place that's away from everybody else. Away from everybody else. He's not in the middle of the hustle and bustle. He's away from everybody else. So that even after people do start waking up, he's not right there in the middle of the town doing his thing. He's out in a desolate place. And he's doing what the Lord wants him to do. See, that's key. That's number two. Create a cavern. Create a space. Create an environment where you can be productive in what God's called you to do. Where you're not constantly interrupted all the time. Where you're not always having distractions hit you in the face. So you've, you've, you've developed a place. I dealt with that a little bit this week where I was talking about, you know, I know guys that they want to have a place to write. They want to have a place to produce music. They want to have a, whatever it might be. And so whether that, mean they, that means that they uh, take a, a room in their house and put it in, into that uh, setup, or some people, when they get their house, they have like a shed on the property or they have like a, an old garage or something like that that they'll transform uh, what, into what some people call a man cave. But what I'm talking about is it's like a home office, but it's an actual dedicated space. And whatever that means to you, you know, it has to mean something to you. Billion says bathroom, but listen, you know, it, it may be on the road for years. That was my office until we started renting these houses and all that. And I got a family. I would just go into the bathroom and pull out my Bible and notebook. And that was my office in the hotel room on the road because my family's out in the main hotel room, you know, doing school, doing their thing, whatever it might be. And I'm separating myself. I had to do it. You create a cavern. You know, you don't get a place where you can't be distracted. Sometimes I, you know, this is how serious I'm about this. Sometimes, not sometimes, many times, I would leave the hotel room and go out into my rental car. And I'd just go sit in the truck. And back when we drove everywhere and I had my own truck with me, I'd just go out and sit in the truck with my Bible, my notebook, and my books. And I would just sit in the truck and study and pray and read. And that's, that, what was I doing? Create a cavern. Why would I do that? Why would I leave everybody behind? Because you have to, to keep your focus. And time is precious. And you have to govern it. You've got to steward it properly if you want to be successful in what God's called you to do. You've got to do it. 
So whether that means a bathroom billion, I mean, it might mean a bathroom to somebody. It might be going out to your car at lunch break when you're at your job instead of sitting in the room with everybody else and talking and telling nonsensical stories and whatever else. If you're going to spend that time praying, if you're going to spend that time reading the word, whatever, you might want to go to a solitary place, but create a cavern. Create a place where you can do what you're supposed to do without distraction. That's number two. So number one, silence the mob. Number two, create a cavern. Number three is this, the third simple way to protect your precious time is to reorganize your relationships. Reorganize your relationships. Put it in the comments. I've got to reorganize my relationships. What do I mean by that? Most people do not like confrontation. That's proven. Most people do not like confrontation. They, don't, they do not want to engage in it. Most people will take the path of least resistance. They don't want any kind of confrontation in their life. The problem with that is that confrontation is necessary, and I don't mean a mean confrontation or a fight, but you do have to confront some things that need to change if you're going to be successful. You can't avoid confrontation altogether and still be successful at the same time. There are things that must be confronted if you're going to change. And when I say reorganize your relationships, what I mean by that is most of us have people in our lives that not because they're wicked or because they're bad or they don't like us or they want to see us fail, they just don't know that the way they interact with us is a disrespect or a misuse of our time. There's people that have no sense of time. Raise your hand if you've ever met somebody that has no sense of time. Like literally, I see people's hands going up. People, uh, they'll talk your ear off for two hours if you let them. They'll I'll give you an example. My dad used to have this guy call him. This guy was a minister and had no sense of time and would disrespect your time every time he called you, every time he called you. He would call my dad in the middle of the night because he quote unquote had a word from the Lord that apparently couldn't wait till 9 a.m. He'd call him at 3 a.m., 4 a.m. in the morning. And, you know, my dad, not knowing if it was an emergency from this minister, would answer and then he'd launch in, Brother Ted, the Lord spoke to me. I got to tell you what God showed me. And my dad's like sleeping next to my mom. And that's like, seriously, at three, four in the morning, you want to call? And the guy would want to call and he'd want to talk for like three hours. It's like, bro, I can't sit here at 4 a.m., 3 a.m. and talk to you for four. And he would sit there. And he's, my dad said, he, you know, my dad's very kind and loves people. And he'd have the phone next to him. He said, I'd leave it there and just lay on my pillow and listen to him talk. Because really the guy just wanted to talk. He didn't want your interaction. He just wanted to talk. He said, there were times I'd fall asleep. My dad said, I'd fall asleep. And he said, I'd fall asleep and I'd wake up like an hour later, hour and a half later, and the guy's still talking. And didn't even know I wasn't, <laughs> wasn't there for an hour and a half. One time, I remember this. One time that guy called in the afternoon, called our house in the afternoon, and uh, dad was at the table, comes in, hello, it's so-and-so. He goes to talking. Dad sat there and listened for a while, listen, uh-huh, uh-huh. Then he took the phone, put it down on the table, went out into the yard, pulled the car down into the yard, filled a bucket with soap and water sponge, washed the whole car, waxed the whole car, cleaned the rims, brushed the tires, came back in, and the guy's still talking, never knew he was gone. <laughs> like that, that level of disrespectful of your own time. And doesn't, he doesn't want to talk to you, just wants you to hear him talk. Yeah. And there's people like that. They just want to, they're time wasters. And when I say reorganize your relationships, one of the things that we need to do is understand we teach other people how to treat us. That's so important when it comes to boundaries. Remember this, 
when it, it is true, Gary. I'm telling you, it's absolutely true. We teach other people how to treat us. We teach them by creating boundaries that we don't allow them to cross. If we just, if we're the people that will never say anything, guess what? That dude will keep calling at 3 a.m. He'll keep calling. He'll keep calling until you confront it and say, hey, brother, I love you. Don't call me again at 3 a.m. I love you, but I don't need you calling my house, waking up my wife, waking me up, waking my kids up at 3 a.m. I don't need that. So whatever you get from the Lord, hold it till 10 a.m. at least. It's easier for us to do now because we got cell phones and most people have gotten house phones out. But when your house phone rang, you know, there was no way to do what we can do with cell phones. We can put these on do not disturb. You couldn't do that back then. And just ring through the house. You know, and everybody's like, oh, there's a phone call at 3 a.m. What is that? And you got to learn to create a boundary. If you let people talk to you like you're trash, they'll talk to you like you're trash. Until you set a boundary and say, no, no. You don't speak to me that way. And if you do speak to me like that again, you won't be seeing me ever again. And that's best case scenario. Trust me. People have, listen, for those that are still working out their salvation, somebody might get smacked. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. And by the way, I'm still working out mine. Hallelujah. So just like the song says, try Jesus, don't try me, because I throw hands. <laughs> <laughs> And so, and then we know, of course, there's forgiveness and repentance later. Amen. It's like Moses. Take the, uh, take the Egyptian out, bury him in the sand, tell God he died. I don't know where he went, Lord. He's gone. I, I don't know where he is. But you understand what I'm saying. The point that, that I'm making is, if you don't reorganize your relationships, you know what will happen to you? Is you'll have your whole life filled with people. <laughs> there's, there's the motto, Barrett. Slap first, repent later. You'll have a whole... <laughs> You have, a, you have a whole group of people around you that because you've never drawn boundaries, they'll just do whatever. They'll in, they, they literally will, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They will encroach uh, upon your boundaries. They'll, they'll literally infiltrate your life and do whatever they want. They'll do whatever they want. You ever have people that just keep showing up at your house and they keep showing up at your house and they'll go and eat stuff in your fridge and it's like, I never even asked them over. I never even invited them. They just keep coming. They just keep coming over and I, I want my privacy. I want people. You got to speak to them at some point and say, listen, stop just dropping by. I need you to call me if you're coming. Right? I mean, you have to do it. Stop just dropping by the house. You know, we do need our family time. We need you know, privacy, stop, stop just dropping by. If you're going to come over, please call me first. Please let me know you're coming at least, you know, and then I'll tell you if it's a good time or not. You know, if you call somebody and you got all this stuff on your mind, it's one of the things I appreciate about Pastor Brian Wright, who's sitting here in the studio. One of the things I appreciate about him is he's very conscientious. He's very conscientious. Of course, he's on the board of our ministry, but very conscientious. If he does call me, He'll actually ask at the beginning of the call, do you have a minute? Well, that's very respectful because I might be in the middle of something. You know what I'm saying? He said, and he'll say, do you have a minute? And I'll say, yeah, sure. And then he'll, you know, say what he needs to say or what he called to say. But in the, in the other way, there's people who just call you up as soon as you say hello or sometimes before you say hello. They just launch into whatever they want to say. And they'll launch in for 45 minutes. Literally. They'll just launch in. <laughs> now, see, I'm the other friend because yesterday Pastor Brian was trying to get somewhere. He had an appointment. I just talked to Zero for 45 minutes until people had to call us and say, would you let him go? Please let him go. He's got to be somewhere. And so I'm the person I'm talking about, actually. <laughs> but in all honesty, there are people that will just call you up and launch in. They don't care what you're doing. They don't care you've got a schedule. They don't care you're in the middle of producing something. They don't care that you're working. They want to say what they want to say. And truly, that's really a form of pride because it's what I'm doing is more important than what you're doing. What I'm talking about is more important than what you're talking about. And so, really, we have to be careful because if we allow that to take place, we'll always, and pastors really have to guard against this because, of course, we're taking care of the sheep. And I say, we, well, I'm not a pastor, but, for example, Pastor Brian, they're taking care of the sheep. You don't want to, of course, you want to care for the sheep. But what did the apostles do in the New Testament? Can, we're not supposed to be waiting tables. 
you know, yes, there should be food distribution to the widows and the orphans and all of that, but we're not the guys that should be handing out the food. We're not the ones that should be waiting the tables. We're not the ones that should be doing all Because if we, and here's what they said, if we do that, how do we have time for prayer and for the study of the word and for preparation to minister to God's people? So what did they do? What is, and I was going to mention that, Miss Sherry, I was going to mention that book, Dr. Henry Cloud, Boundaries. That's a great book for people to get. Boundaries by Dr. Henry Cloud. Excellent book. But understand what the apostles did. What did they do? They said, we're going to raise up elders or deacons. These are well-trained men. These are faithful men. These are people who got their houses in order. Kids respect them. Wives respect them. You know, all these things. We're going to raise them up like deacons or elders. And I'm gonna, we're going to let them. We're going to delegate these tasks to them. So that now, and it's, it's not that uh, it's not important to feed the widows and the orphans. It is. If it wasn't, they wouldn't have raised up the elders to do it. It's just that you're not supposed to be doing everything. You're not supposed to do everything. Every problem is not yours to solve. Oh, hallelujah. I'm going to say it again because it needs to be said. Every problem is not yours to solve. Every problem is, put it in the comments, every problem is not mine to solve. Mm -hmm. And so there, listen, if you want to be the crisis uh, responder, first responder, there'll be unending crisis, crises for you to respond to unending because the world is filled with crises. Just telling you right now, there'll always be something for you to go and take care of until you create some boundaries and realize I'm not the solver of every problem. That's right. Sissy called it the Superman complex. People have a Superman complex. Got to get every cat out of every tree. Got to, you know, carry every bag of groceries. Got to, you know, stop and change every person's tire. You know, you're not called to solve every problem. Do what God told you to do. When you stand before the Lord, he's going to ask you what you did with what he gave you to do, not with what everybody else was with dealing with. Ooh, glory to God. That's big. That's big. Reorganize your relationships. If you got time wasters in your life, get them out or confront them and see if they'll change. If they won't, disassociate yourself. Disassociate yourself. Amen. That sounds rough, doesn't it? It sounds like people don't have a heart. But understand, we've allowed under the guise of, under the guise of, well, I'm walking in love. I'm just taking care. And it's crazy. Yeah, exactly. Todd said, your brother Shuttles, your Reverend Shuttlesworth, not Dr. Phil. I'm not here to solve everybody's problem. I can't do it. That's not what I'm called to do. But, and, and same for you. That's not what you're called to do. And if people will not honor the boundaries that you are creating, you have to say, listen, that means you don't love me. It means you don't care about my priorities. It means you're not a true friend. You're just, you, really, you're abusive. That's what it is. You're abusive. And I don't have time for abuse in relationships. I don't have time for that. Amen. So, number three, the third simple way to protect your precious time, reorganize your relationships. Number four, and this is going to sound so simple, but nobody does it. Like literally, maybe 10 to 15% of people in the world do this. Ready for this? The fourth way, to simple way to, to protect your precious time, prioritize your priorities. <laughs> well, that sounds so simple, doesn't it? But nobody does it. Nobody does it. First of all, define what your priorities are and do them first. Do them first. I'm going to give you something. Listen to this. Make sure that what's most important in your life is done first. I wrote this while I was in the car, not because I was actually writing while driving. I was speaking it. For all of you health nuts out there and people that are always, you have people that call me up. I had a picture. We were literally parked in a parking lot, like at a restaurant. I took a selfie. We were traveling with my family. We had like 19 people. No, 19 people. Your, your child's not buckled. It's like, we're, we're parked, okay? Child not buckled. It's like, thank you. Not nice family, beautiful family. We love you guys. Child not buckled. Um, 
So before you get off, you know, onto the comments, uh, you're riding in the car. No, I was speaking into the thing. Um, <laughs> make sure that what's done, that's what's most important in your life is done first. Now, listen to this. This is proven. This is factual. Look it up for yourself. I found it and all, all of the, the resources on it in that book I referenced the other day. Um, the One Thing by Gary Keller. The One Thing where he basically is teaching multitasking is a lie. He starts the whole book with a Russian proverb that says this, he who chases two rabbits catches none. And so um, what he taught in that book was this, and he brings it out. Focus, we've never thought like this before. Focus or your attention span, it's a limited resource. Focus is a limited resource. I want you to put it in the comments. If you'll notice as the day goes on and you get more and more tired, your focus diminishes. It diminishes. You can't focus on something the same way at 9 p.m. that you can at 9 a.m. You see, yeah, my father told me that. Do one thing a day. Focus. But focus is a limited resource. That's why even productivity experts will tell you, try to do all of your most important work before lunch. You know why? It's been proven that once you go eat lunch and come back to work from lunch break, productivity plummets in the workplace. It plummets. Do you know, just to give you a little proof on that, do you know when Facebook is most trafficked? Wednesday at 3 p.m. That is the most traffic time on Facebook. In the middle of the workday, but when? After lunch. Because people come in, the carbs hit hard, you're on a crash, you're starting to get tired, people are wishing that their company would institute nap times, all kinds of stuff. And you realize, boom, it's plummeting. Why? Well, then you get home, and then you cook dinner, and you get all stuff done, get your kids, get a homework, and then dinner's over, and you, it's like 9 o'clock. Is that the time you're gonna, your focus is the sharpest? Absolutely not. That's when people just want to like chill on the couch and just zone out and watch something. Why? Because the focus diminishes over time. And so this is why productivity experts tell you, do your most important work before lunch. Don't, they say one of the biggest mistakes people make is checking their email in the morning. Biggest mistake. That's a great point. the first thing they do to get to work, open up their computer, open up their browser and check their email. Worst thing you could do. Because that's unimportant. Unless you're waiting for some contract or something to come back to do a job or a project and you need the signed contract or whatever. But people just check their, and then they'll arbitrarily respond to all these unimportant emails or read through these unimportant emails. You know, and they said as a worker, you should let people know. I respond to emails after lunch. So if you're trying to get me, if something's important, you better call my desk. Because I don't look at emails until after lunch. Because what happens is you get sucked into that rabbit hole of responding to every email and reading through all this stuff. And all of a sudden it's lunchtime and you haven't accomplished anything, anything. Prioritize your priorities. How does this apply in the Christian life? Don't wait till the end of the day to read your Bible. Don't wait till the end of the day to pray because you'll get tired and you say, well, you know, I'll catch you tomorrow, Lord. No, don't wait. Don't wait. And, and if it's the most important thing, which it is, do it first. That's why you should get up and do it. Get up and do it. And so it'll help you. Prioritize your priorities. All the mindless stuff. Leave the, and, and they also say this, do the hardest stuff first. So that your whole day is downhill from there. Don't have mindless meetings. Don't check emails. Don't do the, you know, don't do the easy stuff. Do the hard stuff first. Prioritize your priorities. Make it first. Define what they are and get them done. And if you'll do that, you'll protect, your, you'll protect your time. Why am I protecting my time? Because then procrastination doesn't set in and all of the stuff you should have been doing with your time was not done with your time. And then you know what you, that is? A waste of time. It's a waste of time. Whole day was a waste of time. You ever get ticked off waiting on somebody? You were waiting on somebody all day and you, quit, you didn't do the things that you were supposed to do because... You know, what's the deal with these people? I wish Chick-fil-A would just take over the administration of every business. How can a cable guy call me and say, I'll, I'll be at your house somewhere between 2 p.m. and 6 p.m. 
It's like, how do you not know? Have Chick-fil-A headquarters schedule all the cable guys coming out to houses. And then you get to the end of the day and he didn't come and say, actually, I'm not going to be able to make it today. The whole day is a wash because I had to sit around waiting on your behind all day. And you ever get to the end of the day and say, you know what? This whole day was a waste of time. You ever felt like that's a horrible feeling? Don't let your days become like that because of a lack of prioritization. Make sure. Now, here's the, the fifth one that I told you is going to be the one that you want to stick around for. Because this will not just help you protect your time. This will actually help you increase rapidly, which is the goal. We want to increase rapidly. This one's going to take a little bit of explanation. Uh, there's some people that understand it instantly. Others of you, it'll take some explanation. And so uh, I, I, I actually learned this by playing video games. And I'm going to teach it to you. This is something that when I saw it, it blew my mind. Um, and number five, by the way, the fifth simple way to protect your time is, and this is a, a really a video game term, learn how to power level. Learn how to power level. And so I'm going to explain to you what that means. I'm a fan of role-playing game genre of video games. That's my favorite ones to play. I'm the guy that likes to play, you know, like Skyrim and stuff like that. I just enjoy that more than sports games. More than they, Maybe it's because of the way that they build it for your mind. It's like you got all this political intrigue and stuff going on. I, I like that. It's good storylines. And one of the things that I found about role-playing games is that you create a character from scratch and you determine at the beginning what type of character you want them to be. So for example, let's say you're playing a medieval uh, variety of a role-playing game. So let's say you wanted to create some sort of, um, you know, a, a warrior, like a soldier warrior that's really, really uh, proficient in like melee combat, like hand-to-hand -hand melee combat. Okay, so you've got all these You've got all these attributes that are given to your character. What is their strength? What is their dexterity? What is their wisdom, their intelligence, charisma, all these things? And then you find out not all of them pertain to the type of character that you want to make. So, for example, if you want to make a warrior that's great with an axe or sword that gets right up on guys and fights hand to hand, you don't need to, a ton of dexterity. You don't need a guy that can shoot a bow really well. You don't need a guy that can throw knives really well. Those things do not pertain to the type of character that you want to create. And then let's say that the game understands if you are creating that type of character, then to continue to level up in the game, you have to make that character grow in the appropriate attributes that make him great, like strength, like, you know, using melee weapons. So if you just choose, now you could choose Listen to this now. You could choose to level up all that character's attributes equally. Well, I'm gonna, I'll level up his strength and his dexterity and his wisdom and intelligence and charisma and melee weapons and ranged weapons. It'll take you a ton of time and your character won't level up very fast because a ton of those things don't pertain to what you're building. But then video gamers learned when these things start coming out, how to power level their character. They learned that the game engine looks at only the appropriate attributes to level their character up. So the game knows if you've made a melee weapon using, you know, warrior. And they know that the main two attributes that are important for that are strength and melee weapon proficiency. So if you say, you know what, forget dexterity, forget ranged weapons, forget wisdom, forget intelligence, forget charisma. I'm just going to do all the tasks in the game that level up strength and level up melee weapon proficiency. And the game knows if you only level those up, it's going to keep. Now your character's level two. Now he's level three. Now he's level four. And you could still be at very low levels of attributes in those other areas, but the game doesn't care because they don't, they don't apply to you. I, I sat there and thought, oh my Lord, how many, how many people do I know that are miles wide, but about two inches shallow? They have all of these different things 
you know, that they've been doing whatever. And, and then this is how deep they are. I would rather be five inches wide and two miles deep than I would to be two miles wide and five inches deep. The well goes deep, but it's very focused. It's very specific. I know a lot. I can do a lot in this area. This is also called the Pareto Principle, if you've ever studied business. This is where they, they have taught, and it was, it was this, this man Pareto that finally discovered that 80% of your productivity comes from about 20% of the things you do. 80% of your productivity comes from about 20% of the things you do. So his philosophy was forget the other 80% of stuff that you're doing that doesn't produce anything. Give all of your attention to the 20% that's producing fruit. Do you know this is, this is the whole reason that Google came up with something called Google Analytics so that you could look at your website and say, you know what? Oh, let's say you have a blog, for example, because we've been working on that. Let's say you have a blog and you notice I've got a hundred posts that I've posted on my blog, but 80% of my traffic are coming to 10 of those 100 posts. Do you know what experts will tell you to do? Instead of posting more blog posts, you know what they'll say? Continue updating those 10 continue optimizing those 10, continue putting links to other things on those 10 so that when people, because they're the most trafficked, those are the place people are gonna be. That's where you can interact with your audience. That's where you're gonna be productive. And so you got all of these people coming to 10 things you've written and leaving the other 90 behind. Instead of trying to work on that, hit the 10. Show them your products on the 10. Show them how to get in, 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 you know, opted into your email list on the 10. Work on that. What are you doing? Power leveling. You know what's working and you're going with what's working. Then you know what you do? You look at the other, you look at the 10 posts and you say, well, why are these so trafficked? Why are people looking at these so much? What do they have in common? And then when you go to produce another post, forget the other 90 that people aren't looking at. Make your next post to be like the 10 that are killing. I mean, that seems like common sense, but people don't do it. Learn how to power level. Learn how to power level. Learn how to say no to the right stuff so that you can say yes to the right stuff. What do I mean by that? You're not supposed to be doing everything. You're not supposed to be doing everything. And the, and the higher you get in your purpose, the more you will have to make that happen. Yeah. We sat down with Dr. Reinhard Bonnke and he spoke to my father and he gave him a very specific word. He said to, to my dad, strategic meetings. Well, what does that mean? Well, my dad, you know, he's not 38 like I am. He, my dad doesn't need to be running all over America doing every single thing and going through every single open door. He needs to do things strategically to make the most use of his time. Yeah. Most use of his time. And Dr. Bonke was telling him that by the Holy Ghost. Brother Ted, strategic meetings. You know what that means? Don't go everywhere. Don't say everything. Go to the ones that are supposed to be open to you and the things that will make the most impact. You know what that is? Power leveling. It's power leveling. It's you being able to say no to the right things so you can say yes to the right things. There are things that need a no. I want you to put this in the comments so that you understand it this way. Many things need a no. Many things need an N-O. There's a lot of stuff you should be saying no to. You see that? Many things need a no in your life. Yes, that's why the principle is a business principle, Luciana. Because you need to learn how the Pareto principle works. If things are working, focus on them. If they're not working, drop them. That's why I like Gary Vaynerchuk, who, by the way, if you don't know who he is uh, and you're easily religiously offended, don't go watch him because he'll drop more F-bombs on you than a sailor. But he said something that shook me. He said, you know what? Don't be romantic about how you do things. 
He said, you made, you know what I see at churches? Churches get romantic about how they do things. And they think once we start something, we can't quit it because we said we'd do it. And now we're going to do it till the end of time. Don't be that way. I've, I, one of the best things I ever heard a, a preacher say, he said, you know what? We started, um, we started doing a Saturday night service. He said, we, we announced it. We're doing a sat, our church is starting a Saturday night service. And he said, we started it and people didn't care about it. We didn't have people coming to it. It wasn't working in our region. The Saturday night service did not work. He said, so we didn't say, you know what? We started it. We'll stick to what we do. We're faithful to what we do. He said, you know what? We did. We ran it for three months. Notice that it wasn't working. We came and said, hey, we're, we're quitting the Saturday night service. We did it for a season. We're done with it. It's over. Don't get romantic about how you do things. Look at what's working. Look at what's not working. Stick with what's working. Stick with what's working. Stick with what's working. Don't bang your head against a brick wall. Hey, by the way, Jesus taught this principle. If you think this is just like me saying business stuff. You know what Jesus said to the disciples? If you go to a city and you preach the gospel and they don't receive you, he didn't say stay there for 20 years and bang your head against a brick wall of religious resistance. He said, shake the dust off your feet and go somewhere else where it is working. Go to places where the door's open. Go where it's working. I know I'm sorry, I'm taking a little extra time today. I, I got to get this out. Because this, I'm telling you, this is so important for people to be productive in the kingdom. And I'm going to pray for you in just a second. Shake the dust yeah. off your feet. Dave Kahn is watching. Worship leaders, if you launch something with your worship team, this is how we do such and such. And this is how we're now from now on going to do this. And you notice it's not working after six weeks. Stop it and go back to what was working. It's just, you know, don't get romantic about how you do a thing. Do what works. Yeah. And then double down on what's working. Yeah. Double down on what's working. And you watch, it'll, it'll just like skyrocket. Skyrockets. It skyrockets. And that's power leveling. That's the Pareto principle. It's understanding what's causing me to grow. And all this other stuff I'm spending my energy on isn't causing me to grow. So you know what? I'm leaving that behind. I'm going to give all my attention to this 20% of stuff that's causing me to explode. Amen. Amen. Before I pray, let me give you a quick recap. Number one, silence the mob. Put everything on. Get your distractions out of the way. Number two, create a cavern, a protected space to produce in the kingdom of God. Number three, reorganize your relationships. Don't allow people to abuse your time. Don't allow them to abuse your family. Number four, prioritize your priorities. Do what's important first. And then number five, learn how to power level the Pareto principle. Double down on what's working and get rid of what's not working. Get rid of what's not working. And you'll see increase hit your life as you are a steward of your time. The most important kingdom currency that there is, your time. Let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every person that's watching or listening on the podcast. From this day forward, let us be okay and bold enough with confrontation to do it. To cut out what doesn't need to be in our life. To literally rebuke the things that have come to steal our productivity, steal our time. We will not be unproductive in your kingdom, Lord. We will not be unproductive in your kingdom. We will produce and we will see fruit that brings great glory to the Father. Thank you that your word declares in John 15 that when we produce much fruit, it brings great glory to the Father in heaven. And so, Lord, we ask you today, let us be fruit producers. Let 2021 be a year of fruit production. And let us make every change necessary to be more productive than we've ever been so that the kingdom grows, so that we're impactful and efficient, and so that God is pleased with our lives and he gets all the glory. In the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Listen, before we go, I want to encourage you to sow a seed today. Sow a seed today. You can always do that at miracleword.com. The information's there on your screen. If you're overseas, you can always use the website. You can use PayPal. If you're in the U.S., you can use Cash App or Venmo. Or if you're on Facebook today, hashtag donate. But let me encourage you, as you're setting your faith for increase, sow something by faith today that's going to cause you to increase. It's not going to be accidental when you blow up. It's not going to be accidental when your debts are paid off. It's not going to be accidental when you're walking in the favor of God. God's favor is provoked. It's provoked. 
His favor is not unmerited, it's merited, it's provoked. He responds to your obedience. He responds to your consecration, your dedication. I love you and thank you for standing with me and with Carolyn. Thank you for standing with Miracle Word Ministries. We love the Victory Tribe very much, very much. We've got two more scheduled night here, nights here at Boomerang Church, Kickstart 21. You don't want to miss it. 6.30 p.m. New York City time. Uh, if you can't get to the church, join us online. We're, we're streaming every night. We want to see you if you can get here. We've had people drive in from all over the place, Pennsylvania, Virginia, New York, uh, New Hampshire, Massachusetts. It's been awesome. we got more people coming tonight and tomorrow. It's going to be a great, great uh, closing two nights. I'm very, very excited. We love you guys. Have a wonderful and a powerful day. I'll see you tonight, 6.30 p.m. Love you. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.